Good morning, Cross Life. This is definitely a different experience. Um, <laughs> I'm actually standing in our laundry room, a very small space so that I can have absolute quiet um, as much as possible because I've got my three kids running through the house right now and, and Chas is working in the house. And so I'm standing in the laundry room and you're either sitting on your couch or you have earbuds in or you're walking or running, but you are not with me and I'm not with you. We are cross life in dispersion. And so this is definitely a unique thing, not only for our church, not only for our nation, but for the world. Whether it is overhyped or underhyped, whether it is as dangerous as they say or not as dangerous, what's true is there's a real virus, there's a real panic, and we as real Christians need to be ready to have a real heart of compassion towards others. Many different churches are preaching on fear and, and confidence and boldness. And I have nothing wrong with that except that I feel like God is impressed on my heart to keep moving through Scripture. So we've been in John chapter 13. And where we're going to start is John 13 verse 18. And we're going to read uh, about the betrayers. We're going to read about Judas. And then we're going to read about Peter. And we want to consider ourselves. So with that in mind, pray with me. Lord, as we open your scripture, though we are far apart, what I pray is that your scripture unites us in spirit. You say where two or more are gathered or three or more are gathered. Lord, there you are. Lord, what I take hope in is that even as one Christian meets, he or she is never alone because the whole Trinity is with us. Lord, may we be aware of your presence right now as we open your word and we consider our brothers and sisters scattered. Lord, we are never alone. And it's not as though there were one with us, but there's the fullness of the Trinity. We are in your presence. We are before your throne. And we cry out with all of creation, all the myriad of angels, holy, holy, holy are you. And so, Lord, though scattered, here we are. Lord, open your word to us. In this brief time. Amen. Okay, cross life. Here's what John 13 verse 18 says. Now, keep in mind, Jesus has just washed the feet of the disciples. They are all there. And here's what he says in verse 18. He says, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Verse 21 goes on and says, After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit, and he testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, that would be John, by the way, was reclining at a table close to Jesus. So Simon Peter motioned to him, to John, to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, John, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered him, Judas, and Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. 
Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he, Judas, immediately went out, and it was night. Now, we are going to skip, church, 31 through 35 right now. We will come back to that in our our next uh, next part of the series. I want to go down to verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are, we, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So church, that's our text this morning. And I want to keep this as simple as I can because we are scattered and that we, we do lose a dynamic there. But what we see here is that Judas is ready to betray Jesus. And what we see is that Jesus tells Peter, you will betray me, you will deny me. We have two betrayers here, but we will have two different outcomes But I want to say to you, church, if we will get real with ourselves and we will look biblically at the world, we see that these two men represent something that we must wrestle with. There is Judas, who does not love Jesus, who betrays him and never returns. But there is Peter, who we know will betray Jesus, and Jesus knows of their betrayal, and he knows that Peter will betray him, and yet we see that Peter will repent and Peter will become a a powerful force for God in spreading the gospel and planting churches so that the gospel can continue to go out. So there is betrayal in two different contexts. But what amazes me, church, push in more to 13, 1 through 17. The reality and the truth is, is that Jesus washed the feet of Judas. He washed the feet of the one who would betray him and never repent. And he washed the feet of Peter who would betray him and repent. Jesus washed the feet of the betrayers. And you and I, we read this text and we need to read it as as something historical that Jesus is is washing the feet of those who would betray him, of, of a very real Judas and of a very real Peter. But church, let's look at ourselves now. The reality is, is that you and I are not unlike those men. If you need to, you can pause it and turn to Romans 5. In Romans 5, here's where that story becomes a rubber that meets the road for us. In Romans 5, 8, we should marvel at this. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Let me read it one more time. But God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think that there is a a dangerous uh, amnesia that will happen when we forget as saints that we were once sinners and enemies of God. In fact, that's what it tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to this. It's a longer passage. But but. It says in Ephesians 2, 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Look at Ephesians 2, 1, one more time. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You know, Scripture is clear through and through that we were betrayers of God. Romans says that, Romans 1, you can read through there, it says that though we saw God in creation, we can see God in creation, we refuse to acknowledge God as God, we are born betrayers. The Puritans used to write that in Adam's fall, we sinned all. We are born with this sinful nature. We are born betraying God. And there is a certain amount of innocence in that betrayal when we are young, but as we grow up and we understand who God is and what right and wrong is, because I believe that he puts that on our heart, then we ultimately must make a decision that we will praise him or betray him. And I would contend that if we look at the world biblically, we need to see the world as a bunch of Judases or a bunch of Peters. Those who betray him ultimately never to return, and then those who love him and yet through their sin do betray him, but God welcomes them back. And those whom God welcomes back, though they sin, they are the sinners become saints. That God is sanctifying daily and never giving up on. This is nothing new. Listen to Genesis 6.5. In Genesis 6.5, it's one of the most all-inclusive claims of the wickedness and the sinfulness of man. And in Genesis 6, 5, in the early creation, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is no new condition, church. What we need to contend with as churches today is not how to live our best lives now, not how to deal with temporary problems, but how to combat the eternal truth, the timeless truth that we are born betrayers and we will either walk the path of Judas or the path of Peter. We know because we know the story that Peter does return to God. He denies him during the time of Christ's passion. He denies him and then the, the, the rooster crows and reality sets in and he realizes that he has denied his Lord. He has betrayed him. And notice how it all turns out. Jesus seeks out Peter and Jesus commissions Peter. And just like you and me who betray him with our sin, he welcomes him back. He forgives him. And he commissions him to go and make disciples. I want to I start concluding. In 1 John 2, 4. This is for us Christians, not the world. This is for us Christians, okay. Whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments as a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, church, whoever keeps God's word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. 
Here it is, church. First John 2, 6, Whoever says he abides in him and God ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And I want to go to one more. Actually, I just, I think that, I think that that's actually a good concluding verse. I want you to consider church with me. That though we are scattered, the truth is, is that none of this is out of our, our Lord's control. He is either sovereign of all things or he is not sovereign of all things. And we trust in his sovereignty. And in his sovereignty, Jesus, knowing Judas and knowing Peter and knowing our betrayal, still came to serve, still came to love, still came to be crucified on the cross. And where we are in John is a hinge point and the passion of Christ is about to pick up and he will walk to the cross and he will fulfill all of scripture, knowing that his hour had come to depart out of this world and return to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, John 13, 1 says he loved them to the end. And he served them. And he teaches them. And he will forgive them. Christian, I think that the reason that you and I need to look at this again today and stay on track is because with everything else in the world changing, we need to know that which doesn't change and that that's God's word. And God's word says that God is true. Man needs a savior Our greatest need is a Savior. But you are sitting here listening to this right now. And we must reckon with the truth that we are either Judas, who does not truly love God, or we are a Peter who does love him. And then you must contend with, okay, but if I love him so much, why would I betray him right now with this momentary sin? And what I would say to you is to pray that God would give you a heart to hate the sin which he hates. And that he would give you a heart that understands that his forgiveness is true and real and deep. And that your communion with him, when he holds you in his hand, cannot be broken. So there is great peace. And this warning that Peter Peter receives, there must have been confusion. But in the context of what we know from the Bible... There must now be peace for us. Cross life, I hate that we are not here together. But I do love that we can find ways to be together and push into the word. I miss seeing you all. I miss being able to to just sit and converse and drink coffee together. But we trust our Lord. And we trust his word. And we will still, even at a great distance, continue to bear one another's burdens and pray for one another. So I would ask that as we close the word today, if you would, I know that you're going to be doing family worship with your families. But I would encourage you to really do that and enjoy that time together and then to think through our church and to pray for one another. Next week, we will continue with John 13. And we're just going to keep seeing what the Lord has revealed to us. I love you all. I miss you. And I'm praying for you. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, help us to see our hearts truly as you see them. Lord, that we're not playing a game and just acting like we're walking with the Lord as Judas did, but his heart was far from him. 
Lord, help us to really see how hard are we. Are we Peter? We are yours. We are lovers of you. We are believers. And yet we just struggle in our betrayal. And so, Lord, we need your strength that comes from your spirit within us. And we need the hope and the confidence that we have in your forgiveness, Lord, so that we can continue on our mission, so that Satan does not have the opportunity to destroy the hope that was in it, within us. Lord, we've read your word. We love you as a people. But what amazes me even more is that you love us. Scripture is so clear. We love you because you first loved us. Lord, may we marvel at the goodness and that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. That we were dead in our trespasses, betraying you and living a life only for ourselves. There's that great verse in Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive again in him. That is what brings us joy that you love us, even when we were the most unlovable. Lord God, how great your love for me today, that I, a sinner, have been made a saint by the blood of a Savior. Lord, help me to, to get that, to grasp it, and to tell others of that. And Lord, be with cross life and our dispersion, that we keep our eyes and our hope in you and nothing else. Lord, we love you. Amen.